Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship Weekly Podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from Lead Pastor Jamie Miller. Before I jump into this message, I want to address uh, just not everybody may know, uh, but we we lost a dear friend this past uh, week on Thursday night. Baron uh, Schultz suddenly just uh, had a, a massive heart attack and uh, while they were out in Dallas. And so this is uh, a leader in the church. He's 43 years old. It's a big deal. There's a lot of people that are hurting right now and grieving. And I just want to um, uh, I just want to say that uh, that uh, we want to love Misty and Trinity, uh, that's their daughter, well, uh, we love them. And I also want to say, too, just on behalf of just everybody in the church, there's some of you guys may not have known Baron, but a lot of you did, and, and we're hurting. You know, when we see one another during this time and we're, we need to experience love from each other, just be sensitive to the Lord. You guys love well. You love well, and let's do that during this time. This is one of the, I can't imagine a more loving place to be. And so just love one another well during this time. Tuesday night is going to be the uh, viewing. It'll be at Crozier Pearson Funeral Home in Cleburne. So that's where they, they live. Uh, and uh, then on Wednesday at 1 o'clock, there'll be a memorial service at Cleburne Bible Church. And I'll be, uh, you know officiating that day there, but it's going to be down there. It's a bigger, bigger room and and there's going to be a lot of folks. So uh, let's just pray. Father, uh, you know where we're at, you know, just how fragile and uh, needy we are. And we just ask that you would bring your comfort uh, to us, the ones that are hurting right now, and just help us to walk through this time with your love and compassion and your grace and Lord be with Misty, be with Trinity, be with all the friends and family that really know Baron, uh, knew Baron well. And uh, we love our brother and we just are, just want to express your goodness and your love during this time in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. If you would open your Bibles to first John. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, we are starting a new series called Keep It Real, and I'll explain what that's about, Keep It Real, it's not randomly chosen, it actually means something, it's going to be a theme that flows through every single one of these five messages um, in 1 John as we take one chapter a week, actually I'm doing one plus a a few verses from chapter 2 this week, but let's read this, Uh, 1 John 1 to 4. 1, 1 to 4, and then we're going to skip to the very end and read the last verse. Hmm. I've got a reason for doing that. Okay, so here we go. Father, bless the reading of your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we've seen it. We testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. That is a, that's a blow away. That, 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 there's, there's weight in that. That's what John has seen something and he's, he's blown away. 
We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Now skip to the last verse. Bookends of this short letter. Dear children, chapter 5, verse 21. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Okay, so why did I do that? One of the things I want us to see in talking about this new series, Keep It Real, is that there is a tendency in all of us to kind of gravity sometimes in our flesh goes toward what's not real. And God, through John, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, through this whole letter, is going to be talking to us about what's real. What really matters, what's real and solid. He wants our faith to not just be something ethereal out there somewhere, but for it to land on the ground, concrete, real faith getting lived out in real lives. Now that's, that's what came to planet earth from the kingdom in Jesus Christ. That reality stepped into time and space, you know, with us. And it's just, it's awesome. And so we're in the process of living that thing out. The word idol in Greek, idolon, it's, you can kind of hear, kind of hear the, it's a transliteration of a Greek word, idolon. And idolon means false god, and idol means false god, but it also means ghost or phantom. How about that? So the tension here that we're going to experience all through, here's the keep it real part, all through the, the, this John's first letter is the tension between reality and the tension of choosing some ghostly, phantom-like, fake, not real, deception, not the truth, not reality. That's always the tension. And so all through 1 John, you've got light, darkness. That's not real. You've got, you've got confession and, and, and that which is uh, self-deception. You've got the spirit of Christ. You've got the spirit of antichrist. You've got the spirit of truthfulness, the spirit of falsehood. You've got obedience and disobedience. All these things just running through love and hate. It's running through this whole letter and there's that tension we're going to feel. And so the, the, the point is to keep it real. Keep it real. So one of my dear friends, one of our former elders who stepped down from being an elder, we always talk about sermons and stuff. And, and I was asking him, I said, hey, Yancey, we're going to do First John, Rorschach test in the spirit. What do you think? Y'all don't understand what I just said. I just said, I was just like, Yancey, man, I'm about to do First John. What do you think? Just give me first impressions. Rorschach test probably doesn't work for everybody. But, but, but he goes, hey, man, it's that tension. It's that tension thing, you know, between the beginning and the end, the whole reality. And I was like, ooh, that's good. So what Yancey, as a Bible translator, he's a Bible translator, right? So he helps translate the Bible all around the world. And um, which, by the way, I want to brag on Yancey. He just got through speaking at the Vatican, and he's been invited back. Speaking to a bunch of Polish guys that are translating the Scriptures, something with Polish. Isn't that cool? Like, Yancey, just around here. He's not here today, but, but um, just, just our brother, you know? But he said the tension, and I love talking to a translator because translators always kind of get at the heart of what has to happen for the Bible to go into a new language, right? Make that, make that transition. And so John is a Jewish brother. 
He's a Jew, follower of Jesus, Jewish, and, but he's writing to Asia Minor, so he's translating. He's got to cross a boundary. And the tension is, when you cross a boundary, it's, it's for all of us. There's a tension. Of, it, the, the, it, it's to run away from the truth. that help anybody? You run away. <laughs> you, you want to run away. You want it not to have teeth in it and for it to not really land. We believe kind of it's out there somewhere, but it doesn't land in real life with us. We, we're in the church, but we don't love people. So, so that's, the, that's, the tension. that's the tension that we're always facing. I mean, the Greeks, he's writing to these Greeks. John is. And what would they hear when they hear that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? Well, the Greeks believed that spiritual was good, natural, bad. Bodies, bad. Spiritual, good. God coming in the flesh? They're not going to like that. That's something they would be tempted to run away from. And so there's this runaway logic that I want to just get out there in the open because it's something that we have to work through and we're going to be working through it here. Keep it real. Keep it real. Land it on the ground. It's not just up there somewhere. It lands on the ground. So John, our brother, the apostle, isn't that cool? He's our brother. We're going to meet him one day. Yeah. And he's like, I've seen something, my world's been rocked, and I absolutely want you to know about it. And I'm not going to be happy until you know what's happening in my life and what we've seen in this fellowship. I, I love, I'm saying a bunch of stuff I didn't say in first service, I'm realizing. Y'all get the little freer version. So, so uh, one of the things that was hitting me is I'm reading First John and just drinking it in and just what he sees about Jesus. And what I'm, one of the things that hit me was like he's writing at the end of the first century, 30 years later than the earlier Gospels. His Gospels, 90, 95. This letter's 90, 95 AD. And so all, that, all those more years of reflecting on this and reflecting on what really matters and what it's all said and done, what he says is, I want you to have fellowship with us. And we have fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It says, the fellowship with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. Whenever you see Jesus Christ, know that that is the anointed one. So it's the Father and the Son and their shared love and anointing in the Holy Spirit. It's the Trinity. He wants us to know that we've been brought into that fellowship. And that is so awesome. It's just, ah, I love it. I love it. And we get to, we get to experience that together. That's the fellowship that we have together. So his world is rocked. John Calvin, many years ago, said that the human mind is an idle factory. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. We create idols, things not real, with our minds. And we give ourselves to those things. That's why he says, dear children, dear children, keep yourselves from what's not real, from the ghost things, from the phantom things, from the fake things from the idols that we create with our minds that are not true and real. So there's this great tension here that we're going to be talking about. Anybody ever heard of C.S. Lewis? Some of you guys. So C.S. Lewis wrote a bunch of books. Some are harder to understand than others. And some of us like a good story. And he did that. That That's pretty cool. And one of those stories was called The Great Divorce. And it's a story about heaven and hell. And some people from hell actually get to visit heaven. 
Now, he said, and I'm going to emphasize this right now. He said, don't make doctrine out of this. Everybody, everybody's hearing Jamie say, but I want to make a point. I do want to make a point. So, so don't make doctrine out of this. But, but heaven, he pictures as being real and solid. And the people there are weighty and glorious. And the people from hell, you know, just his picture of that is that it just, it's less and less and less for eternity just wispy, vapor-like people. So they come and visit heaven, and it's like the grass in heaven even hurts their feet because they're wispy. They're not weighty. They're not, there's not reality to them. They're believing lies and living in darkness. You know? And so it's this, this picture of them seeing what, what heaven's like, and, and the picture is just weighty and real and awesome. Again, the point's not this is the way it absolutely is, but I will say that, that that picture is a whole lot like 1 John. And there's this weighty reality, and there's this unweighty, wispy, ghost-like thing of darkness and life without God. Everybody tracking? So here's the, here's the main thing. If I'm going to put it in a soundbite, it's this. God wants us to know Him as the real life and have fellowship with Him that is more and more real in every aspect of life. That's where this message is going. We want to live real lives that are in fellowship with God that get worked out with more and more reality. Less and less fake stuff, less and less idols, more and more the reality. And so there's tension places all through these first few verses here. And let's look at a few of them. Real versus not real. The first one is light and darkness. Chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we've heard from Him and declare to you, God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. So our great struggle in our fallenness is darkness. I mean, it's just, it's a bummer. I mean, Adam and Eve, crunch, you know, they eat the fruit and their first decision is to hide from God. They're, they have a darkened understanding now of God who is the light. And so they're, they think now we've got to hide from God. This is, this is craziness. And so what happens is uh, Adam and Eve eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their own judgments are not right. Our judgments apart from God are not right. It's the tree of the knowledge of good. It's not just evil things we do. It's good things that we do apart from God. We can't love with God's love flowing through us unless we choose Him, His life being, being expressed through us. So that's the, that's the tension there. It's, it's are we going to live by God's perspective or are we going to live by our own perspective? You know, John's gospel starts in a similar way. He says the light sh- sh- shines in the darkness. Back in, in John chapter 1, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. You know, and then he says, John was pointing to the light. See, he's the light of the world. He's come into the world. He's the light of the world. And so John the Apostle is doing a similar thing here. He said, he came and he told us, this is the message we heard from him. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. And the point of this, what he's saying is there's something that's real and there's something that's not real. God is light, and that's reality. He's truth. And then there's this life. When we get into this darkened way of living, and we're just 
you know, we, we think we're seeing the truth. We think we see things the way they are. But if we're living by our life, it's darkness. Even if it looks kind of good on the outside, tree of knowledge of good and evil isn't the way God called us to live. He wants us to live by His life and trust Him. So it's a reality or not. Second piece, confession. Second place of tension, confession and self-deception. Whew. Amen and me on that one. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we, do not have, if we, claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His Word has no place in us. Okay, so... Here's the thing about confession, and, and this is really important that we get this because this could be something really heavy or it can be something liberating. Confession is agreeing with God. Can we just say that together? Confession is agreeing with God. Okay, so instead of, you know, we can either, it, it, think about it, it brings us, when we confess, when God says, point something out in our lives and we say, you're right, Lord, that's sin, that's confession. That's agreeing with what Jesus thinks more than what we think. That's what confession is. I confess you. I, I confess that. That's, that's darkness. That's sin. I agree with you, Lord. Self-deception, non-reality, is over here going, that's not, Lord. I don't agree with what you're saying about that. I don't agree with your perspective. Everybody tracking? And that's really important because when you go into this next place of tension here, I want to say more about the confession thing. But the next place of tension, the third one, is forgiveness and sin. So let's read a couple verses, and then I'll make some points here. But um, chapter 2, verse 1, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. <laughs> okay, wow. That's huge. The atoning sacrifice for our sins and the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Wow. Okay, so right now, this we're going to get into a little bit of a theological section. Hopefully it's all kind of been good theology so far, but this one is important. Your view of God, what you think about God is going to be huge for what you do with this passage and how it applies to your life. And, and it's, got, it's, got, it's got a gigantic ramifications for us in our practical lives. There's a couple ways of looking at God. One way of looking at God is to see God as a contract God. And another way over here is to see God as a covenant God, covenant making and keeping God. Contract God over here, it just flows out of our kind of normal fleshly perspective about life. There's contracts. You do this, if I sign a contract with Grizel for something, and you do this, and I'll do this, and we kind of condition each other into doing what each other wants because of the contract that's there. Right tracking? So that means that if I don't do something that breaks the contract and the other person's out, Covenant, on the other hand, is where God comes unilaterally to us and says, I'm doing this on your behalf. So he does that with Jesus Christ, the greatest covenant of all. 
He does that, and He comes, and He steps into our world and into our darkness, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. He steps into the middle of our situation, and He he does what we could never do while we were still enemies with Him. Okay, so it's hard for us to get this sometimes. We, we want to make it where we get to have a piece of it. But that is, that's contract thinking, and it will always be uh, damaging to us. Let me illustrate it like this. If I could get uh, my friend Todd Knight to come up here. Yeah, I'll give it up for Todd. So, uh, Todd and I have been friends for a long time. But let's just pretend that, that uh, something happened, we got sideways with each other, and we were in a disagreement. We were in an argument, like he'd offended, he'd done something, you know, and, and he, he thinks I did something to him. And so, uh, <laughs> and so for three months, let's say, I, we didn't even talk. And I came to him and I said, hey, Todd, just want you to know, man, um, I forgive you. Now, is that, is that going to be good news to him? How is he going to respond to that? Think about that, right? I've come and I've said, I forgive you. What's also being communicated when I say, I forgive you? Yeah, there's, there's judgment. So I'm, I'm forgiving him, but he's also experiencing my judgment because I'm saying, you needed forgiving. Everybody tracking? Okay, so he could humble himself and, you know, respond to me, or he could, maybe it didn't work out. Go ahead and have a seat. It does work out. Um, but, but this is what I want to say. God comes to us at the cross in Jesus Christ, and he says, I forgive you. But here's the hard part. He's also saying, I- I'm judging you. I judge your sin in the sins of the world. I'm forgiving you but I'm also judging you. And so we in our darkness, we can't even respond to that. We need Jesus. So Jesus comes representing God to us, and then Jesus comes to the Father representing us to God, representing humanity. He is the great mediator, the one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. That's what He does. And so... so the Father says, I forgive you. And there's judgment there. And the Son says, Amen. On behalf of humanity, Amen. Now this is huge. You can't do this, but Jesus Christ can. So, so this is unbelievably good news. It's way, way, way good news. Now, it, when, that's, that's the covenant God and what He's done. The problem is when we start mixing in contract mentality, it, it makes it, it's like a, our, our responses become legal. Our, our, we think we're going to, if I can confess enough, if I can walk in the light enough, if I can repent enough, then I will condition God into forgiving me by tracking. But what God has done for us in Jesus, it's, it's flipped from that. You know, the reformers, a lot of the leaders of the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, you know, one of the things they were trying to deal with was this very idea in us this of legal repentance. We do these things, we condition God, then He forgives us. And they come along and they say, no, 
evangelical repentance. We do need to repent, but it's repenting because we've seen what God's done for us in Jesus Christ at the cross, life, death, resurrection, ascension, and all that he's brought us into. And so what that means is all of this, I mean, you could read 1 John 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 and go, wow, there's a lot of commands in there and stuff I'm supposed to do. And I don't know if I walk in the light enough. I don't know if I obey enough. I don't know if I confess enough. I don't know if I love my brother enough. I don't know if I stay away from Antichrist enough. I don't know if I, you see, you see it's like, wow, I don't know if I'm a children of God enough. I don't know if I stand in against the devil's work enough. We just, it's like, ah, unless you go, God's done it all for us in Jesus Christ. And the life we live now is a life lived in response to what God has done for us. And this is, you know, until you get a taste of how good this good news is and almost go, it can't be that good. It's like you haven't heard it fully. This is the gospel. It's just great, awesome, good news. Now, I want to live a life that flows from the truth and the reality of what God, who God is in His person, what God has done, who He declares us to be in Jesus Christ, and now live out of that. All these imperatives flow from the indicative of what God has said about us. The imperatives, they flow out of the indicatives. The actions flow out of our identity and who God says that we are. So let's get back to these tension places. Obedience and disobedience would be the fourth one. Chapter 2, verse 3. We know that we have come to know Him if we obey His commands. The man who says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys His word, God's love is truly made complete in him. So he's, what he's saying here, this is, this is how we live because of who God is and what He's done for us and this fellowship that He's brought us into, the reality of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, relationship and love, a new creation, new life, real life. This is how we know that we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. I mean, if we don't, if we don't have the covenant God perspective and we try to do contract God on walking as Jesus did, just... Good luck with that. We can't do it. There's only one person who can live the Christian life. Jesus. We live by His life. Everybody tracking? Okay? So obedience and disobedience. There's that tension. Love and hate's the the fifth one. Dear friends, verse 7, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one you've had since the beginning. The old command is the message you've heard. Yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in Him and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. I want to just say to someone between first and second service pointed out on the light and darkness piece, he says in verse back in chapter one of verse seven, but if we walk in the light, he said you have fellowship with God. You'd expect him to say, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with him. But look what he says in verse seven. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Isn't that interesting? So there's something about us walking in love that allows us to to receive from God and to give. I'll keep unpacking this. And I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in Him. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. 
Chapter 2, verse 9. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Okay, this is, this is where John lands the whole plane right here. His love. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light. And there is nothing in him to make him stumble. Come on, Lord. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. So this huge tension between reality and non-reality is, is love and hatred. Now, if we want to change the world, we love our brothers. We live in the, that's how, we live in the light when we love our brothers. Pick an issue, some relational thing, some problem in your family, something at work, school, some issue that's going on. We love our brother, and then that situation's made better. I mean, it sounds almost, uh, sometimes John sounds almost trite. He sounds almost cliche saying love one another, love one another, God's love, love each other, love, love, love. What the world needs now is love. I mean, th- th- those, those things sound cliche almost. Uh, uh, love is all you need. Somebody help me out with some songs. You know, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. She's, she's, she's just staring at me. She's not, I'm not going to help you out on that one. Uh, you're on your own. Um, but but it, it's, it's not cliche. So if we take our relational stuff, we take all the relational things, love changes everything. Now, we start going out from there. Ch- relationships in church life, relationships at work, relationships in the city, politics. You know, politics in the city. If people could love one another, the world's changed. Uh, the national scene, you know, the, whatever the latest tweet is from who, whomever, and we're... Uh, you know, and it's like if people could love one another. Like, Jamie, you getting political on us. Yes, I, I really think that King Jesus has got a great plan for ruling the world. <laughs> Just love, love one another. So I'm landing, I'm landing, I'm landing the plane. Um, wrap this up. Yeah, I said change the world. I'm trying to think of the things I was going to say. I got into the politics thing. I think that was <laughs> over there. Um, you know, if we can... I just want to keep emphasizing this truth. Identity leads to action. It's not the other way around. So, repentance is based on you know, who we are. Our actions, our love, our, it's, it's who, what God's done for humanity in Jesus Christ in His coming into our flesh and into our darkness and living a life of total dependency then taking us, the flesh, to the cross and being raised on the third day by the power of God walking on the earth for 40 days and then ascending to the right hand of the Father, pouring out the Spirit so that we can participate in this awesome, incredible life. So that's identity that leads to action, the indicative that leads to these imperatives. 
And these, the, the commands, they're real. They're things that it's like, it's, this is what this life looks like. Live this way. This is what this life looks like. Live this way. Live in the light. Live in love. Live a life of agreeing with God on and on and on and on, not self-deception. Stay away from idols. That's, it kind of wraps it up. I used to think, that, that sentence, man, it just, dear children, keep yourself from idols. What? But he's, saying, he's been saying that all through the whole letter. Let me just wrap it up with this. Keep yourselves from that which isn't real, from the ghostly, from the, from the phantom things in our lives. Let our lives be shaped in this way. Uh, you know, the bottom line of this whole series for us, have different, a few different folks along with myself saying it in different ways, but the bottom line is live in reality. Keep it real. Keep it real. Like this is going to, that phrase, I hope it means something way more than what it's meant in the past. As we just realize what he's calling us into at the start of this letter is for everybody. It's for everybody. We, our fellowship is with the Father and the Son. We want to have fellowship with you too. We want our fellowship to be one and whole and rich and good. And that's the good news is that our fellowship is with the Father and the Son in the fullness of anointing and love in the Holy Spirit. We've been brought into that. And that is just incredibly good news. And we write this to you to make our joy complete. Have you ever just... Have you ever, uh, you know, Kim, sometimes I'll go eat with, I get, I get to eat out more than she does because I go meet with people and stuff. And she'll go, you got to go to that restaurant? I've been hearing about that, you know. And, and I was like, well, we talked about some heavy stuff. I don't really remember, you know, what the food was like. And, and, and here's why. You know, if we don't say it, if we don't express it, our joy is not complete. We don't get to fully experience it. But when I'm literally, I'll be with Conan. I'll just take Conan as an example. We don't talk about heavy stuff. We just have a great time together. <laughs> but Conan will be saying something. We're having a meal. And I'll say, time out, man. I just got to say, this food is so good. And it gives me more joy to do that. Now, where I'm going with that is God wants to bring us into full joy. And it, we don't get to full joy unless we express it with one another and say how good he really, really is, and how real He really is, and how life-changing He is, and how absolutely incredible it is that heaven has broken in in Jesus Christ, and that we get to participate in the life of God through faith in Him. It's just, wow. And it's, it's true. Now, we live into that more and more, more and more reality, more and more substance, more and more weight, where it takes on flesh in our lives. And it's not ethereal faith. We're in the church, but we don't love people. We've got the faith up there, but it doesn't affect our lives. It does. And that's awesome good news. Amen. You guys stand up. Ah. Worship team, come, please. If you're visiting with us, we're so glad you're here. And we just, we always take a little time at the end of a service and just respond to God and just, uh, just pray. And uh, we'll have a Ministry team up here to pray for people. Worship team's going to play a song. And just want to say that as we, as we do this, just, just ask the Lord to speak to you. What, what is it in your life that needs to be kind of find a grounding? You know, what, what is it in your life that where there's a place where, I, hey, I've been, I've been 
doing some shadowy living over here. I've been, it's not real. And God wants to call us into reality. And uh, so, Father, would you just meet us here today? Would you give grace to us to just to hear those things that hey, I want to live in? I want to live in the truth. I want to live in the light. I want to live just a life of agreeing with you, Lord, and confessing where I need to confess. Lord, I want to live a life of obedience. I want to live a life of freedom and forgiveness and love. And so, Lord, would you just meet us uh, in the midst of just life and uh, help us to wake up. Wake up to our assumptions and to put our faith fully, wholly, completely, just our lives in your hands. We thank you for the life you've given us and we want to experience the fullness of that life. And we want to respond to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, hey, just whatever, whatever the Lord's speaking to you, come and, come and get prayer. Come and get ministry. If you're hurting, going through a hard time, please come and get prayer. And uh, may Jesus be lifted up in your hearts, even as you get in prayer. The grace of God lifted up in your hearts as you get in prayer. In Jesus' name. Come on. Just need prayer. Let's go for it. Need healing. Anything's just happening. Something, a, a situation for prayer. This is an important time for us to just respond to God.